Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Persuasion. Persuasion was written by Jane Austen and was published after her death in 1817. And the film adaptation we are discussing this episode was directed by Carrie Cracknell and came out in 2022 on Netflix. And here we are. We're doing another Austin adaptation, yes. which is so exciting. I, I know it is. You know, I really would have guessed that the next one we did was Sense and Sensibility. I know. Since that's kind of in the ranking of Austin, kind of the third most popular. popular. Yeah. Um, but when we knew they were doing a Persuasion adaptation for Netflix, we were like, we've got to do it. We got to jump on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it is talked about a lot. <laughs> it's been in the news lately. Yes. Um, but if you haven't listened to our other Jane Austen episodes, what are you doing? Um, we did one on Emma and the adaptation Clueless, yes. a classic pairing. And then, of course, we did uh, the Pride and Prejudice uh, movie and discussed the book as well. And of course, if you are a patron and mm-hmm. on our Patreon, you also have access to a bonus episode where we dis- where we discussed the classic BBC Pride and Prejudice adaptation from the 90s starring Colin Firth and Jennifer Ale. Yes. So, uh, the you know. The preferred version. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use this episode to talk about Pride and Prejudice again. <laughs> Joke's on you. We're discussing BBC Pride and Prejudice again. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, we're here to discuss persuasion. Um And this is interesting because, as I mentioned at the top, it was published um, after Jane Austen's death. The book was finished, I believe, but I don't know how much it was finished, like if Jane Austen had further edits or anything like that. Yeah, Her brother um, was the one who published it, and actually he was the one that gave it its title as well, Persuasion. Yes, which I definitely want to discuss later in the episode Mm because i think it's an interesting title yeah um but yeah the last four books and also like i mean i've read two jane austen books now and i'm familiar with uh sense and sensibility Mm -hmm. as well as a story and it is interesting reading this one and noticing like kind of the differences of tone yeah and plot and kind of like just general vibes Mm -hmm. you know what i mean compared to her other works Yeah, I mean, this was written, you know, at the end of her life, and it feels like a little bit of a quieter and sadder novel. Yeah, more, um, a little more cynical, too. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like, not that it doesn't have, like, good characters or hopeful bright spots, but it's a little bit more, uh, I mean, this will lead us into our discussion, uh, starting off the story. So we have the Elliot family. Yes. Right. And there is, uh, Sir Walter Mm -hmm. Elliot, the father, the patriarch of the family, who is just a vain, self-absorbed, judgmental man. Yeah. And it's interesting because in some ways, like a lot of this is played for comedic effect, Uh but I almost kind of see him as being similar, but almost the opposite to another famous Jane Austen father uh mm-hmm. mr uh bennett yeah from pride and prejudice where his character had like his goofy quirks and kind of issues he was generally for the most part like a good father wanted to do the right thing by his daughters even though he was imperfect yeah i feel like sir walter in this story is kind of like 
he's kind of funny, but overall just a shitty person. Yeah, and I feel that about the rest of Anne's family as well, right? Because, yeah, he's super vain. He basically only cares about himself. And then we're introduced to the eldest daughter of the Elliot family, Elizabeth, who is very much like her father and her father um, likes her the most. Yes. Out of the family. She's very proud and vain and just mean to everybody. Um, And then we have Mary, who's the youngest, who is also very self-absorbed, but like less mean, I guess. Yeah, kind of more, um, once again, played for laughs a lot. Yeah. But kind of uh, not meaning badly, like not being cruel. Yeah. But just kind of being dumb Mm -hmm. and just a little self-absorbed in a lot of ways. Yeah, and in the middle we have Anne, who's our heroine, who is like the only sensible and decent person here. And of course we get her perspective throughout the novel. But like it is kind of a lot to have Anne in the middle of this awful family. Yeah. And to feel like she has nobody. Yeah, I know. Like the characters surrounding her uh, are kind of just all really shitty. And even, you know, we're introduced to Lady Russell as well, who's kind of described as like a caring motherly figure and friend. To Anne. Yeah, and since yet, her mother died. Yes, yes, since her mother isn't around anymore. But, like, she's almost, like, completely removed yeah. from the story for the most part. And, in fact, like, something I read in the intro for this book talked about how she actually aligns herself more with the father and Elizabeth. Yeah. Kind of almost more concerned with, like, their feelings and, like, their comfort mm-hmm. and trying to do right by them more than Anne. Even though she likes Anne more. Yes, even though she seems to actually, like, get along with Anne the most. Yeah, and I feel like we hear more about Lady Russell than we actually spend time with her in the book. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it just feels like Anne is very isolated, and this is kind of tough to get into I feel like when you first begin this story yeah in fact it takes a while as someone who knew nothing about persuasion going into this book I didn't even know who the main character was for like the first bit because you're just kind of getting the general overall history of the family and like the financial troubles that they're in and like how they're dealing with it Mm -hmm. and it's only a little while later when you're like okay this is about Anne yeah so it, it, it almost is like showing how what a wallflower she is even to the Mm -hmm. reader and kind of how like stepped back she is from everything yeah and the family's having troubles um you can expect from a man as vain and self-absorbed as sir walter that he would live above his means uh and so get into some serious debts so in order to try and save uh their lifestyle um they're encouraged by their attorney or whatever and by lady russell to go to Bath and live in Bath and rent out their estate in the country. Yes. And this takes some convincing, but uh, the the lawyer is like, I think I know of a, a Navy man yeah. who would be a great fit to rent out this house. And mm-hmm. at first, uh, Sir Walter is like, oh my God, a Navy man? <laughs> They're ha- the ugliest men in the world. Have you seen how crusty and like old looking they are? <laughs> and he tells this whole story about meeting one who was 40 years old. He thought he was like 60 years old. Like I thought that was like one of the funniest moments with the dad. Yeah. But they eventually convince him that this is the best decision because it's either this or like almost sell like everything that you own. Yeah. Which is like even worse to him. So he agrees to rent it out. Mm-hmm. The couple that's going to be renting it out, um, the man is an admiral and his wife, they're the Crofts. 
And then you find out pretty soon after that Mrs. Croft, her brother is someone that Anne knew in the past, um, also a sea captain, Captain Wentworth. Captain Wentworth, the the ghost of her past. Yes. A man who she was in love with when she was only 19. Mm-hmm. They formed an attachment, and in fact, he had proposed to her. Yeah. And did she officially accept? I think she accepted, and then she, like, withdrew. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, because she knew that her father objected to the marriage, and also Lady Russell, who, mm-hmm. remember, is kind of this motherly figure to her. Yeah. And... Lady Russell is kind of depicted as the one who persuaded Anne to... uh, To actually say no. Yeah, to say no, that she was the one that Anne trusted the most. Mm -hmm. And, like, the reasoning makes sense, right? Because we hear about it later that, like, he was just starting out in the Navy and he had no fortune and kind of no future at that point. And Anne was only 19 and Lady Russell felt like she was throwing herself away very early on something that was not sure, guaranteed. But, like... Anne now regrets the decision to reject Captain Wentworth. And she is 27 now, so about eight years have passed. And we're she's described as being, like, not just a wallflower, but, like, kind of faded in her looks and kind of thin and tired looking. <laughs> yes. And so they, they describe, like, her early beauty uh, kind of have having faded now the, her, at the the ripe age of twenty seven. The glow of her youth yes. has decreased. Yeah, they talk about this a lot. I know, and I'm like, she's probably just sad. I know, like, I, like a sad person. It's hard for them to look like overly attractive <laughs> if they're just bummed out the whole time. I and like, know. who wouldn't be bummed out living with the family that she lives with? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the whole setup for like this. Uh, like, I mean, it, it, once again, it's, it's the title of the book persuasion, Mm -hmm. right? And this dynamic, this past of Lady Russell convincing Anne to not marry Wentworth seems like, like so much of the story, I don't want to say revolves around this decision, yeah, but it feels like this really huge moment. And yet we never really go back to it or discuss it or address it. She doesn't talk to Lady Russell about it. No. She and Captain Wentworth only kind of discuss it a little bit at the end. Anne is like thinking about it in the sense that like she regrets, you know, what happened and, and the separation of her and Captain Wentworth. But I agree. We don't really like unpack really. Yeah. Like what happened and what the motives there and like what people you know, might be feeling now. Or like fully understanding what the dynamic between Anne and Wentworth was. Because like, it takes so long in this book before they're able to talk kind of like, (laughs) honestly with each other. And be like, remember our past? Yeah, and it's like all just politeness for so long, which Mm -hmm. I think is interesting, but I think it would have been made better if we could have seen what their dynamic was before. I agree. Oh, we have to mention Mrs. Clay. Yes, and Mrs. Clay, who is a friend of Elizabeth's mm-hmm. and is trying to get in Sir Walter's <laughs> pants. Yeah, she's actually the daughter of Sir Walter's attorney. So <laughs> yeah. this is like a low woman because she's not like of the, um, not nobility, but of the gentleman class. Yeah. So because like her father is a working man, like he has a job. 
uh, which is bad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Lady Russell and Anne are both kind of concerned that Mrs. Clay is trying to get in with Sir Walter and possibly marry him. Yeah, and this is of concern to Anne, and she tries to talk to Elizabeth about it, and Elizabeth is like, I don't care. I like Mrs. Clay more than you. <laughs> she really does say yeah. that, essentially, in the book. <laughs> like, there are moments where characters feel like they are much more brutally honest yeah. than... At least I can remember from other Austin works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is the setup of the book. Mm-hmm. The initial introduction. Let's get into how the movie is going to take this and where it goes with it and the spin it puts on it mm-hmm. and how it how it adapts it for modern audiences, Adina. Yes. We start out seeing like a flashback of Anne and Captain Wentworth like being all cute and romantic in a field, right? Yeah, classic. It, classic, right? <laughs> we get And we get a voiceover of Anne, uh, played by Dakota Johnson, talking about how she almost married Captain Wentworth, but gave him up and her regrets. And then we are introduced to her daily life now, eight years later, which involves... Uh, drinking, drinking wine straight from the bottle. Yes. Um, God, like... Already, like, the the wine thing yeah. was the first tip-off to being like, hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> and she talks about, like, oh, I'm, like, very sarcastically, I'm thriving. Yeah. Like, I'm having wine and taking baths and, like, uh, crying, crying face down on my bed. Yeah, and, you know, there's a part later where Mrs. Russell is like, Anne, it's been eight years. And yeah. I'm like, it has been eight years. Yeah. Like, your level of <laughs> sadness over, over this is, like, way too much. Inappropriate. I yeah. mean, I felt that way about Anne in the book sometimes. I'm like, oh, Anne, you are so pathetic. Like, <laughs> you really need to, like, just at least have something else going on in your life. Like, yeah. it's okay if you still love him, but, like, have something else going on in your life, please. And in this version, it's even worse. Yeah, and, and she is just so a huge aspect of the film version is that Anne directly addresses the the viewer yeah talking to the camera breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. and this is done for like a number of reasons first and foremost it is just a reason to exposition dump yeah to the viewer about who her dad is who her sister is mm-hmm. the family Mary her youngest the youngest daughter who she married like who Lady Russell is the past and like yeah. there is a lot of info especially at the beginning of this book oh yeah like the book is kind of that way yeah but even in parts where I felt like they could have communicated information just naturally in a scene instead it's Anne just telling us yeah and I'm like I think we could have figured this out or like give us a minute mm-hmm. to like understand the dynamics right yeah it also seems like it's trying to be like a cheeky fun tone with yes. us right the, yeah. they're winking at us at the audience literally and we have Anne as like this sassy kind of like devil may care like I don't know she just feels very um not wild, but she just feels a little bit on the edge of a like type of heroine, you yeah. know, like not your typical Jane Austen heroine. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, it just feels like it's trying so hard to like modernize her yeah. and be like, ladies, we've all been through a breakup, right? Get me that wine. Yeah. And I'm like, are you pretending that she's not an alcoholic? Because it seems like she's an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. And like, th- just... I mean, also, the comparison 
has to be made to the show Fleabag. Yeah. Which many people have been making on their own. But I mean, like that show is known for the main character constantly addressing the camera, Mm -hmm. kind of giving side eyes to the the camera and breaking the fourth wall. And like for that show is known for that. Yeah. And yet I feel like this movie does it more. I know. Than Fleabag. I know. There are times in my notes when I wrote, stop looking at the camera. I know. Like there's other things to do. Like, (laughs) yeah, you don't have to like emphasize every joke by glancing at the camera. Yeah. It was so much. It was. It was a lot. I do want to mention like Lady Russell in this uh, adaptation, though, because we mentioned how in the book she's like hardly ever in it. Yeah. Um, I like that the movie brings Lady Russell in as more of an important character. And we get that scene like you were talking about her saying, it's been eight years and you need to move on. Yeah. In this scene also, Anne is able to talk to her and express how she's feeling, which Anne does not have this in the book. No. She has no one to talk no. to. She talks to no one about anything ever. Um, but we also in the movie have Lady Russell admitting that she was wrong to counsel Anne against Captain Wentworth. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah. On one hand, I like them talking about it. But on the other hand, it feels weird that we're starting off with Lady Russell being like, oh, I was mistaken. Yeah. I think that's something that should have been worked. Maybe like an evolution. Towards, yeah, because like what made her realize her mistake yeah just the passage of time and seeing how Anne is still drinking and depressed <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah Anne has been eight years of drinking and crying on your bed yeah no wonder your youth has faded <laughs> it went straight down the bottom alcohol will do that to you <laughs> so as the father and sister prepare to uh leave the house to vacate it for mr and mrs croft to stay at they're leaving for bath yeah and Anne will join them, but first she decides to go and stay with her sister who lives nearby. Yeah, she doesn't really decide. It's more like Mary writes and says that she's sick and she needs That's Anne true. to come and stay with her. <laughs> um, this is sort of an interesting format, though, because we just we talked about how much of an information dump it was at the beginning. Yeah. And we're introduced to all these characters and they're so unique and interesting in like a bad way, right? <laughs> yes, not <laughs> like great. Her dad and, and sister and everything and Lady Russell. And then um, they all leave. And then Anne goes to a new place and we meet new characters. So I didn't quite like this as a format in the book. No, I completely agree. It was like so much to absorb initially with like yeah. learning like all the characters that we just mentioned. And now just as that plot is beginning to like progress yeah they leave and now Anne is like okay now here's uh my sister mary and her entire side of that family and i'm gonna be staying with them and not really addressing my father and everything going on there like i see why it happened this way because she goes back to be with her you know father and sister and bath later but it is sort of odd to have to introduce so much at the beginning yeah something about the format just uh it, it feels clunky yeah Uh, So Mary is married to Charles Musgrove and they live in a house that's very close to his parents' house. So um, they're hanging out with that side of the family all the time, the Musgroves. The Musgroves, great name. Yes. Charles, Mary's husband, has two younger sisters who are always hanging out with them too, Henrietta and Louisa. Yes. And they are both single, uh, they're hot. They're hot. They're <laughs> they're ready to mingle. Yeah. 
So, yeah, a lot of time is just spent with her and getting to know them. And around this time in the story, Wentworth appears, Captain Wentworth. Yeah, because his sister is Mrs. Croft, who yes. now lives in Anne's old house, and that house is pretty close to Mary's house, he ends up visiting the Musgroves and meeting Henrietta and Louisa. And Anne knows that she's going to have to meet him too. In the book, she's really dreading it. And in fact, tries to kind of avoid the meeting in any way she can for a while. Yeah, she makes excuses as to like why she can't attend certain events and mm -hmm. like avoiding him. I find it really interesting that when they do finally meet, it is kind of just summarized briefly in the book. Like yeah. it, it isn't even like happening in the present. It's like, oh yes, we both met and like exchanged. It was very quick. Pleasant greetings and mm -hmm. like casually talked and like there's no description of him or her or his demeanor. And I find this just like fascinating how it doesn't make like a big deal about their first encounter with each other. Yeah, especially especially with how much Anne seems to dread it and then it's over and then every time she's with him, it's kind of just awkward, right? Yeah. Uh, the book kind of talks a lot about how the two of them at this time, like, they can't be friendly with each other, even though they have this past, right? Because everything that they would bring up is, like, super awkward and painful and uncomfortable. Yeah. The book describes it as them living in perpetual estrangement. Yeah. Which I really like this idea that... They ha they do know each other or they used to know each other and they're kind of like in a weird position where they can't continue to have know any kind other? of yeah, yeah. Any, have any have any personal relationship. Uh, so it's like a strange limbo that they're both in. Yeah, they're kind of limited to like very polite and stiff conversation all the time. Yeah. And it's weird because they both know so much about the other person, but can't really admit that because... Another thing is that their engagement is kind of a secret. Yeah, like no one else besides her dad and I think Lady Russell knew about it. Yeah. I mean, people would have known they were like close though, right? Like wouldn't Mary have known or? I think Mary was at school at the time okay. is what the book says. And other people may not have known um, at the time either. So yeah, it, it's weird because they can't really admit it. I don't think either of them wants to admit that they had a past either. Yeah, if they start being like overly friendly, then yeah. that would like hint at like what happened between them. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how the movie <laughs> um, establishes this relationship between them, which yes. is she decides not to attend a dinner that he will be at because her nephew hurt his arm. Mm -hmm. So she decides to stay at home with him. She can see the dinner going on through the window of her bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And she talks about like, oh, I wish I could just go to him and like speak to him. And like, that's a big difference in the film version is that clearly Anne still has hope yeah. for them. Yeah. She still longs for him. She still imagines like a world where they can be together or like yeah. longs for it whereas in the book it just feels like Anne is completely resigned to the fact that they won't ever be together yeah and that she just kind of wants to make the best of the situation mm -hmm. like she's very much just closed off emotionally in the book yeah the movie has the scene where <laughs> she's just drinking wine at the window, watching uh, Captain Wentworth through the window. Suddenly, she just opens the window and screams, Frederick! Yes. Falls over, 
because she's embarrassed. Yeah. And gravy. She goes. She tries to grab her wine glass. Yeah. And spills gravy on her head. And she goes like looking at the camera. (laughs) And I was I'm with you. I was like waiting for this moment to to, be fake, to be fake. Like, oh, she imagined screaming his name through the window. Yeah. No, it wasn't. But she did that. I literally, I I can't even tell you how certain I was that this was not real. This was just what she wanted to do. Yes. Like scream out the window, but she didn't. But no, she actually did. And I'm like, this is where you fundamentally misunderstand a Jane Austen book. This is not Bridget Jones. This is not Bridgerton, which is what they advertise this movie as on Netflix. Even Bridgerton wouldn't do that. No. And that's the thing that's like fascinating is like this movie... It, it sets it sets the story like in the correct time period, right? With like yeah. the correct costumes and look, and yet they are constantly breaking like the social norms and like what yeah. is acceptable of the time, mm-hmm. and like characters are acting in ways that are like, I mean, would be ridiculous like today, yeah, and are like unfathomable for the time, yeah. And I'm like, if this is the vibe you wanted, why didn't you set this like in modern day? I know. And make it a much looser adaptation like a la Clueless yeah. is of Emma. Yes. You could have gotten away with so much more. People even, are much more forgiving of that. Even changing the character. I mean, like Bridget Jones's diary is a very loose, I, I should say, inspired by Pride and Prejudice. And her character is extremely different from Elizabeth Bennet. Absolutely. But like you don't care because, you know, it's not trying to be like a direct adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know why the choice was the choices were made, Ian. And we have another scene where she tries, where she meets Captain Wentworth officially again, where she's got jam on her face. Oh, and they have like, she like, it's, it's bad writing. Okay. Here's the thing is it's not even like bad in terms of like, this shouldn't happen in a Jane Austen story or like, this isn't accurate to how people would act during this time. (laughs) It's just like bad on like a principle fundamental level. When she's like, oh, you're old or you look old. I mean, you look older like. And he's like, oh, you have an appropriate amount of hair on your head. Uh, And of course, she still has a jam mustache on her face that she is reminded of at the end of the scene. Also, he says Something about, like, I'm rich now. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Is that a dig because she didn't marry him because he had no fortune? I'm guessing, but, like, it's such an off-putting line (laughs) to be like, I'm fucking rich now. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah. In front of, like, everyone else that is eating breakfast. Yeah. It is 9 a.m., sir. (laughs) What is going on here? God, there's so many scenes like this. I know. Should we talk about the dinner scene? Yeah, let's just talk about the dinner scene, too. Uh, This was okay. So the dinner scene was the moment when I was like, all right, that's it. (laughs) I was like, I'm giving this movie a chance. It's fine. Truly. They're like changing things, whatever. It has a little bit of a snarky, like modern tone. It's fine. Whatever. Then we get to this dinner scene and I was like, okay, I tried. (laughs) like oh my god so like it starts off with this awkward like she's trying to find a seat at the table and i'm Mm -hmm. like once again at this time period that would be like everyone would know where they were sitting yeah and it's weird antisocial behavior to just like be jumping around the table yeah and then everyone is politely chit-chatting and (laughs) she decides to tell everyone i don't know if it's because she's sauced 
Yeah. That uh, Mary's husband, Charles, once asked her to marry him before he asked Mary. Yeah. And she says it in the most drunk way, drunk, tongue tied, inappropriate, like cringy, uncomfortable, awkward way that I could ever like this scene is unbearable. I know this scene in particular. But like there are so many scenes when like I just kind of like was glad that I could take a note and just and like look away and look away. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm embarrassed for this movie. I know it is. It's so embarrassing and awkward and uncomfortable and like not in a funny like, oh, no. that's funny way in just a ugh. like who did this? <laughs> who thought who did this to you? Yeah. Like, to you poor actors. <laughs> like <laughs> and I mean, this isn't any dig at any of like you were saying, like at any of the actors. No, like it's the the writing. And Absolutely. The direction and just like the general choices Mm -hmm. in this film i think dakota johnson does as well as she can yeah like yeah she can give a snarky sassy line and wink at the camera and she's in a better movie that does this i think it would have been yeah fine but it's not it's It's not working it's real bad here (laughs) also the chemistry between her and wentworth where is it Nowhere. <laughs> no, it's not even in the solar system, Adina. Every time they're talking, their conversation is just so awkward and stilted, and they, I feel like they're fumbling their words constantly. And I don't know if this is once again meant to like make it more relatable. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, when you bump into your ex and you uh, <laughs> blurt out something really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, like I can't even relate this to real life. <laughs> no. Like I, I act like it's trying to be more realistic, but it's but so- that's never happened. It's somehow me. farther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just want to mention um, in the movie, uh, Anne is a lot more close with Louisa. One yes. of the Musgrove sisters. And Louisa at first seems like, oh, this new like captain is coming to hang out with us. And you should try to like marry him. Like you never go after anybody. You're always alone. I want to like hook you up with him. And then Louisa kind of starts falling in love with him and is later like, you know, when I said that, like, you should be with Captain Wentworth, do you like still want to? Because I might want to if you don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, because like it seems like she is she has a friend in Louisa, which once again, that is one of my problems with like the book is that Anne is so isolated. Yeah. And I, I understand that's part of what the book is going for, but I also think it's kind of to its detriment at points. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Anne has someone to like talk to and then she immediately louisa immediately uses the advice she gave Anne to flirt and is clearly using it for herself and it just makes her seem like duplicitous and Mm -hmm. kind of backstabbing i know and i don't like it it's not great it's interesting though because in the book at this time captain wentworth is hanging out with the whole family a lot and it kind of seems like louisa and henrietta are both interested in captain wentworth yeah and it seems like he doesn't really prefer either girl and is just hanging out with both of them a lot. And it's like everyone is in the family is kind of like taking bets as to like who will get him in the yeah. end and like who will like how the sisters will like, are they going to decide between them? Like what's going to happen? I mean, this is such Kitty and Lydia vibes yes. from Pride and Prejudice. Just like <laughs> kind of two semi silly sisters that are like. In the, like in Pride and Prejudice, they're after all of the army men. Yes, yes. And in this, it's like ooh, the a, navy. A, a navy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting though because this does get a little bit resolved here because Henrietta did have 
uh, a hot cousin who was very uh, important in her life uh-huh. before the captain arrived. And the the hot cousin returns from, you know, doing stuff. And he's like, who is this man who's interfering with my cousin? Yes. She's my cousin. I yeah, have dibs on her. Not your cousin. If I want to marry my cousin, that's my business. They're very into cousins uh, in this time, but especially in this book. Yeah, in this book, there's a lot of cousin interest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love how he he kind of Charles Hader is the cousin who comes back. He kind of tries to compete with Wentworth for a bit and then is just kind of mad at Henrietta for, you know, kind of ignoring him and and decides to just like fuck off. Henrietta is like giving him nothing. Yeah. And he just like is pissed off and like leaves. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. God, there's so many characters in this book. Is it? Yeah. It's more than other books, right? I don't know. That's a good question. I can't tell if it's just the way that were introduced to them all at once, or if it's like the interrelationships that makes it hard to keep track of, or the fact that they're, they all have the same name. They're all called Charles. <laughs> all of them, Adina, every man in this book is named Charles. <laughs> I do love eventually Henrietta decides that like, Oh, you know what? I should, I have a cousin. I need to, I need to hook up with him. What are cousins for? What, what are hot cousins for, but to marry them. Um, so she's like, I'll, I'll go for Charles Hader. And then Louisa seems to kind of settle on Captain Wentworth. Yeah. Should we discuss their trip to Lyme? Yes. Let's go to Lyme. So we are expanding the the cast of characters into another location mm-hmm. because Wentworth has a friend who is also like a Navy officer yes. who lives in Lyme and his name is Harville. Yes. Is it? Captain? Yes, captain everyone's Harville. a captain. Everyone's a captain. Well, except, except the Crofts. Except, yes, Admiral Croft. Okay. Um, captain Harville, who lives out in Lyme, and he is with his wife, and he has, like, some health issues, and yeah. so Wentworth wants to visit, and, like, everyone is like, let's just make, like, a two-day trip of it. We'll mm-hmm. go to Lyme, see the sights, all that stuff. It's near the ocean. Yes. Yeah. So they all pack up and, and travel there. Mm-hmm. They meet Harville. They also meet another man. Another captain. Another captain. <laughs> Named Benick. Yeah. Benick was, was he engaged? Yes. To Harville's sister? Yes. But when he was at sea, Harville's sister died. Mm-hmm. And now Benick is just moping around and won't move out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like the family, they're kind of all of them able to share in their grief of uh, this woman dying together, yeah. you know, the brother is grieving his sister and then uh, Benick is grieving his fiance. Um, and Anne ends up kind of like talking with him a bit. And Benick is like super into uh, poetry. <laughs> yes. Um, he's like one of those poetry bros who's mm. just going to like quote really sad, tragic poetry to you a lot. And Anne is kind of like, you know, I, I also like poetry, but... Sometimes when you're sad, reading and writing really sad poetry will just make you feel worse. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, like, take up an instrument. Yeah. (laughs) Try something else. (laughs) Yeah. Read some uplifting books instead. Yeah. So she does try to, like, connect. And it does seem like they are connecting, at least in the book. They have, like, a lot of time spent together Mm -hmm. discussing. And everyone can tell that, like, Benick is, like, really attached to her to what extent is unclear. But, like, later on, they're like, oh, he's, like, 
He's into her. He's into her. He's going to propose, like, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's just that he needed someone to, like, sympathize with him. Yeah. He seems very much like a, a man who uh, just, like, needs a woman to be, like, super interested in everything he has to say <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Kind of mixed on uh, Bannock here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, his character kind of begins and ends on this trip to Lyme. Like, yeah. it seems like he's going to be a big character in the story and then isn't really Mm -hmm. i do find it interesting though in this book so we talked about how isolated Anne is within her family and kind of has no one yeah then we expand into mary's side of the family Mm -hmm. where you know you have uh the the musgrove parents who she seems to like and get along with yeah charles her brother-in-law who seems like very like chill and reasonable yeah and mary and charles's dynamic is like kind of funny like they're kind of openly hostile to each other (laughs) yeah but like Anne seems to be like fine with it and they kind of make it work I guess. Yeah. I love when Anne is visiting and the book talks about how everybody complains to Anne about like the other person. <laughs> yes. Like Charles is like, oh, can you get Mary to stop like acting like she's sick all the time? Like it's super annoying. And Mary is like, Charles doesn't take my illness seriously. Can you like convince him <laughs> that like I really am sick? And then like the Musgrove parents are like, can you talk to Mary? Because like every time they bring the kids up here, they're like so wild and crazy yeah. and they need to discipline them more. And then Mary's like, oh, you need to talk to uh, the Musgroves and tell them that uh, they need to ask about and have the, the children up there more. I need a break. Like- yes. <laughs> like, so then, you know, you have that that side of her family that she's, like, more accepted by yeah. and can relate to a bit more. But she still doesn't, like, talk to them about no. anything. But then you expand further into these, like, additional, like, Navy men. The sea captains. The sea captains. <laughs> and there are a lot of them. I mean, if you include I know. Admiral Croft, who's renting out the house, then Captain Harville, Captain Bennick, uh, Wentworth. Mm-hmm. God, can you... Are you impressed that I remember all I these names, impressed. Adina? Yeah. I am just throwing them out there. <laughs> Uh, But, like, there is, like, a real friendship between all of them and an openness. And I love between, like, these groups, you do see Anne over the course of the story open up more. Yeah. And, like, engage more and kind of, not that it's, like, a found family situation, but... But kind of. But to an extent, like, she finds community with these people where she gets none from her immediate family. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting seeing how close all the sea captains are with each other. Yeah. Because I'm guessing they don't... They're probably not on ships with each other, right? Because they have... If they're captains, they have their own ships, right? Yeah, that's true. Unless they spent time together before they were captains. (laughs) You said that in a very, like, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I need to know the history here. Yes. I- um, but it does kind of seem like a very close-knit um, community. And I think maybe just the experience of being in the Navy is probably, like, highly traumatic. And so anyone else that's in it with you, like, you have an instant connection with. Yeah. The book also seems very just, like, pro-Navy. Like, just talking about how, like, Navy men are, like... Very. I also I love saying Navy men. I don't I know. know why it's funny, <laughs> but like how men in the Navy are like very organized and like yeah. good under pressure and ex- loyal. Except when they're not good under pressure, but we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, loyal and like you know all these good qualities to them. So well, and Jane Austen did have I think at least two brothers that were in the Navy. Okay, so she's that, biased. That that checks out. <laughs> that, that sounds about right given this book. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the the beach scene in the movie, which does not take place in the book between Anne. 
than Captain Wentworth. Um, they're on the beach together alone, which does not happen in this time. No. Uh, but whatever. They're on the beach alone. And Captain Wentworth is kind of being really open and honest with her and saying, like, I didn't know how much I like missed having you in my life and you're important to me. And Anne thinks that he's renewing his feelings for her. Yeah. And then he's like, I just really want us to be friends. <laughs> and we're supposed to be like, ooh. Yeah. In a very, like, because then she says, like, oh, now we're worse than exes. Exes, we're friends. Yeah. Like, oh, God. And then she walks into the ocean. Yep. I'm not kidding. And then she just literally in her dress straight up walks into the ocean. And uh, this is not summer. Like in the book anyway, they go in like November. Also, like I know the the (laughs) empire wasted dresses of those times like had less like layers of cloth. But like. Still a lot, it's I gonna would imagine. It's going to drag you down. <laughs> She's going to, like, get pulled down by the tide and, like, die. Yeah, and, like, the the sea bathing, like, experience at this time was very, like, there was a process for it. Mm. Like, people did go sea bathing, yeah. but they did it in the summer, and they had, like, sea bathing clothing and, like, kind of apparatuses to get them into the water, like, because a lot of people don't know how to swim at this time. (laughs) (laughs) Probably good to have all your bases covered. Yeah, so for her to just, like, literally walk straight into the ocean in her full dress and then, like, dive underneath the water just felt really random. It real. It just felt like so. And he just watches her do it. And, And the thing is, like, the movie positions itself so much as being, like, a very modern feeling like comedy, but then yeah. it goes through these like really emotional feeling like moments that just don't land. I know. I'm like, is she killing herself? <laughs> Maybe. I also have another point to make. And like, I think so the movie in one way feels like it's trying to be like more relatable and modern. Right? Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of part of what scenes like this are trying to do to be like, Oh, they can't just like not talk to each other. Like, yeah. you know, people don't do that. They have to be like, like address what's going on because it's too awkward or something. But in a way, I actually feel Austin is still very relatable mm-hmm. to today in terms of like, we've all been in situations that are like uncomfortable, but like we're expected to be like civil polite. and polite and like mm-hmm. let things lie and like not make a scene. Yeah. And it, it's uncomfortable and you want to discuss certain things, but it would feel inappropriate too. Yeah. And like, I think despite like the uh, sensibilities of the time feeling like very extreme. Yeah. Like in a way there's still a relatability there. Yeah. And this movie strips that away. Like it takes the one thing that like, I think you, that is so, important in this story yeah that could have been very relatable or you could have worked into a more modern way Mm -hmm. and you take that away and substitute it with this like really weird and uncomfortable and stupid scene of them (laughs) expressing every feeling that they have and now in the movie at least i'm like well why wouldn't she just tell him yeah that she likes him. Like, I if, know. if they're both being very honest right now. Also, we've seen that this version of Anne is very bold and sassy and sarcastic. Yes. And is willing to make drunken confessions at a dinner table full of all of her family. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't she say how she feels to him? What does she have to lose? Yeah, we know she's not, like, held back by being awkward. She is very willing to be awkward, <laughs> yeah. Adina. Yes. And to make all of us experience That's her it. number one thing. Yeah. That and her bunny. 
her rabbit that just <laughs> appears out of nowhere. And then disappears. And in so many scenes. It's her scenes. magic trick. Yes, it is, truly. <laughs> she pulls that out of her bosom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like her character, like this film changes so much about her and the relationships that it really takes away so much of the subtext and what this story is about. Yeah. To the point of like, why are we telling this story? You've just made it a very generic, like awkward ex lovers to lovers story that just happens to be set in the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. What's the point? I, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring in Mr. Elliot, though. Yes. Uh, they uh, uh, Anne, when leaving the beach in the book, I believe, yeah. happens to pass a handsome-looking man. Who, who get, like, double-takes at her. Yes, gives her a <laughs> real steamy look. Yeah. Given the context of the time. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie, she actually has, like, a little, like, flirtatious conversation, like, oh, you're in my way. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're in my way. And uh, Captain Wentworth, like, glares at him. And then they have another meeting at the inn that they're staying in where uh, they see each other again. But at that time, they still don't know who they are. And then when he leaves and realizes that he is Mr. Elliot, their cousin. Those hot cousins, Adina. Hot cousins. (laughs) (laughs) They're bad news. Well, and he's the one that's going to inherit uh, her father's estate because her father just has three daughters and that's how it works. We learned this in Pride and Prejudice, yes. you know, where their cousin was going to take over another <laughs> cousin situation. Yes, and they wanted them to marry their cousin. Yeah, and at one time, probably like maybe 10 years ago, a little less, uh, Sir Walter and Elizabeth really wanted Mr. Elliot to come in and possibly marry Elizabeth. And it seemed like it was maybe going to happen for a while. Yeah. He was very present in their lives, seemed to be interested in Elizabeth. And then he just kind of like disappeared in a way that was like considered to be like really rude and inexcusable. Kind of an insult. Yeah. And they kind of like wrote him off and have been pretty much out of touch with him ever since. Yeah. And he married a low woman, which means a woman who was like uh, someone who worked his daughter. Yes. (laughs) But she... She had money. She had money. Yeah. Which is like something that is still like hard for me to like, like you think of someone being lowly, like, oh, they're mm-hmm. poor and don't have any like name to them. Yeah. But you can be rich or have a lot of money, but still be like low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. It is strange. Um, So it's interesting for Anne to run into Mr. Elliot again. She notices that he's in mourning clothes because his wife has recently died. And so this is like a little bit of an intrigue. And you're like, oh, is is he going to be interested in Anne? Is she going to run into him later? All this is interrupted, though, by uh, Louisa having... what what a what a trip doing a a swan dive <laughs> just onto concrete yeah. reading this in the book is so startling i know because they're all just on i forget they they keep calling it something it's the not comb like, or something yeah i don't quite understand what the like a dock yeah, yeah. of some kind anyway they're just like on it like walking around in their steps and Louisa is being like helped down by Captain Wentworth yeah. because they're still kind of being flirtatious in a way. Yeah. And then Louisa's like, "Ooh, I want to go again." And she like goes back up the steps and Wentworth is like, "No, like come on, we got to yeah. get going." And then she's like, "I'm going to jump no matter what." And Wentworth is like, "What was that?" And then she 
<laughs> like, like slips and falls and hits her head on a rock. Yes. <laughs> and it talks about like Wentworth holding up her lifeless body and then everyone like being like she's dead freaks the fuck out and I'm like what is happening <laughs> in the book uh Henrietta passes out at the same time yeah um so they have like two women who have passed out that they have to get back to shelter Wentworth is inconsolable yeah he's like freaking out he's, he's like, like I killed her I killed her what am I gonna <laughs> tell her parents and uh you know he's a navy man but not good in a bad situation apparently apparently not and does kind of take control of the situation has one person go get a doctor they end up bringing Louisa back to uh the Harville's house which is pretty close by um and getting Louisa set up the doctor sees her and they're kind of deciding things this reminds me in the beach scene in the movie Oh, Wentworth yes, tells yes. Anne that she's good in a crisis, and he always asked himself, when he was being tossed about at sea, what would Anne do right now in this boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Anne, Anne would wander into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he talks about her being good in a crisis, and I'm like, how many crises did you experience when you were engaged? Yes, like long ago. That Anne took control of. <laughs> yeah, I know it's just supposed to like hint at what's to come, but it was very clumsily done. But and here's the thing though, Adina. Why explain it to us before we see it? When we could just see it. When we're about to see it anyway. I agree. Yeah. Like, why did we need that like setup of like, boy, Anne, you sure are good in a bad situation. I sure hope nothing bad happens <laughs> while we're here at Lyme, where no one else is of any use and it's all up to you. Yeah. Like, could this have, like, projected that anymore? It was, like, insane. Yeah, and, like, the fallout of the situation is kind of weird where, you know, Anne kind of wants to stay here with Louisa in Lyme, but Mary doesn't want to go and be left out, basically. <laughs> yes, Mary is, like, just mad that they think Anne is more useful than she is. Yeah, so even she refuses to go. Yeah, she's like, no, I'll stay. She's my sister-in-law. Yeah. Even though everyone's like... You're like, you can hardly the worst, look, though. You're, you're awful. You can hardly look at her. Like, yeah. But like Anne has no choice but to kind of like yield and, and leave. Yeah. And and this like she ends up in the book going back to stay with the Musgroves for a bit, but then ends up joining Lady Russell for a while and then proceeding to Bath. And in uh, the movie, she goes straight to Lady Russell from this event. I will admit that I was finding the book kind of slow. Yeah. Until Louisa took her tumble. <laughs> uh, and like, this is like very jarring for like kind of a Jane Austen book for like. I know. A woman to trip and fall and like almost die. Yeah. And go, get like a severe head go injury. Go into a coma for yeah. a while. Yeah. Like kind of very intense, but like it, it kind of jarred the book for me to be like, ooh, like a lot's happening now. Yeah. But then it just kind of stops happening. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we don't even see Louisa again throughout the rest of the book or the movie. No, that's so true. We never see her again. So we hear about her, that she's doing better, she's recovering, it's just taking a long time because of the nature of the head injury, but we never have Anne visit Louisa, mm -hmm. communicate with her even by letter, and she never appears again in the book or in the movie. And so once again, Anne is just like, Okay, now to change locations. Yes. And for a whole different cast of characters now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, uh, okay. I thought this was, like, especially jarring in the film. Yeah. Because, like, she just gets back from Lyme, where they had to leave 
Louisa and like things were very uncertain with her health. Yeah. And then she's like literally getting into a carriage and she's like, now seems like a good time to go. Yeah. And then she's like, let's have a picnic with Lady Russell <laughs> in a field. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah, the plotting of this book is like very strange. Yeah. Uh, but we do get a scene of them eating mm-hmm. fancy foods on a picnic <laughs> table or on, on a picnic blanket in, yes. in the film mm-hmm. where uh, I think Anne kind of asks her about being single. Yes. Yeah. And Lady Russell implies that she like takes trips to Europe. So that she can fuck and, the men and, there. and fucks around. <laughs> she fucks around and finds out. Yes. You know? In Europe. <laughs> in Europe specifically. Well, if you fuck around in Europe, no one's going to tell in England. No. What happened? I guess you're just. They didn't have social media. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they, though? It feels like this movie is, like, so close to being to that level of, like, God. Just texting, text bubbles appearing. Essentially. Oh, my God. How funny would that be if, like, she's writing a note and you see, like, the script in the air? Oh, they would. They would. Yeah. I just don't think anyone thought of it. If someone had thought of it, they would have done that. They would have done it. (laughs) There would have been, like, dots, like, ink dots appearing. Yeah, like typing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that's the dipping the quill into the ink. (laughs) (laughs) That's the dots. Oh my gosh. Uh, Anne heads to Bath and meets up with her father and sister. They're like, here's our life in Bath. Welcome. Uh, you're just in time because Mr. Elliot has been hanging out with us again. And now that his wife is dead, he seems really great and we've forgiven him. Yes. We never know... How she died. No, we do not, Ian. And, and we hear later that it was a very unhappy marriage. Yes. And uh, that he was mean to her. Yeah. And that she was the rich one. Yeah. And then she just dies. Yeah. It did get me to think, I'm like, how easy it would have been to get away with murder at this time, especially as a man. Oh, yeah. Like. Absolutely. I mean, you would have to, like, really botch the murder to, like, for anyone to even, like, suspect you. <laughs> I know. It does remind me of this, like. A really cool story of this woman and, like, some of her friends in Italy who were running, like, a literal, like, murder-for-hire, like, situation to their, like, rich lady friends. What? Where they would, like, um, disguise poison as, like, perfume or something. And they would poison their husbands. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty great. Wait, is this a a, a No, it's a real thing. This is a real thing? Yeah, and they, like, like, caught her somehow, and and I think she got off. I don't remember exactly. I need to look up the situation again. It was very interesting. See, I feel like anyone could have gotten away with murder easily back then, because, like, they don't give women enough credit to be able to, like, get away with the murder. And they give men too much credit. Too much respect and credit to, like, believe that they could have murdered anyone. Yeah, or even if they did, it doesn't matter. No one cares. At least this is, like, for people of high society. Yeah. Like, people lowly, like, probably were suspected all the time. But, like, (laughs) if you're, like, yeah, you could have, I think Mr. Elliot killed his wife. I think so, too. Is what I'm getting at. (laughs) It does seem like he's kind of interested in Anne at this time, though. Mm -hmm. Like, he's flirting with her a lot in the movie. In the book, it's more like he's just talking to her a lot. And it seems like the two of them are similar in the way that they're both, like, sensible and not stupid, which for this book feels like a rare treat in a person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know? But then again, like, Wentworth doesn't have many, like, noticeable faults that we see. Yeah. And so it really just feels like the two love interests of this story are just kind of, like... Boring. Boring and interchangeable. At least, like, at this point. Yeah. So I wish there was, like, more variety in their 
behavior. I agree. And does feel a little bit suspicious of Mr. Elliot just because while he's very polite and kind and easy to talk to, she does sense like kind of a reserve in him. Like he might be hiding his true self. He's not as open and honest as like the uh, sea captains that she knows and loves, you know? And she also notices that he kind of like aims to please everybody that he talks to, which means that maybe he has like some kind of motive. Yeah, I really love this. And I think Jane Austen is really good at this where she gives us like information as to why a man might be shitty mm-hmm. and like you don't like notice it. And then it's brought up later, like in Pride and Prejudice, why Wickham yes. was suspicious. Right. Yeah. And in this story, she talks about like being suspicious of, uh, you know, Mr. Elliot. And you're like, why? He seems fine. But she yeah. specifically talks about like. He's just like very, he always just says like the perfect right thing, but he doesn't seem, he's always kind of on guard. And she specifically talks about how he kind of was talking shit on Mrs. Clay to her, Mm -hmm. but she's like, but also Mrs. Clay like is none the wiser and still really seems to like him. Yeah. And so clearly he's capable of kind of deceiving people and Mm -hmm. like not being upfront with how he truly feels about someone. Yeah. And she's like, I have to be aware that he could do that to me or other people that I care about. Definitely. And you're like, yeah, that's a really good bit of evidence for that. Mm-hmm. That when you read it, like when he's t- complaining about Mrs. Clay, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, that's funny that he agrees about this. Yeah. But you don't really think of it in that way. Yeah. And I think at this point, we're going to start talking about the book first. Yeah. Finish it out and then talk about the movie and how that ends because they're similar, but they're also very different. And so it's just going to be too confusing to try to go back and forth. Yeah, I agree. So in uh, this point, you know, Anne and Mr. Elliot are hanging out, getting yeah. close. Additionally, Lady Russell is like, hey, you might want to get <laughs> on that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, she's like, literally, you could just move right back into your house and you would be like the lady of it all. Yeah. You know, and like. I think it's interesting. She almost kind of tempts Anne with this idea of being like her mother and what her mother would have been. Yeah. Um, Because Lady Russell, of course, was like best friends with her mom. And Lady Russell has talked about how Anne is very similar to her mother. Mm -hmm. And so wanting to see Anne in that role of Lady Elliot again uh, by conveniently marrying a cousin, you don't have to change your name, uh, (laughs) (laughs) is somewhat tempting to Anne a bit. But for the most part, she still feels like she has this love for Captain Wentworth that she can't give up. Yeah, but I find it really interesting that Lady Russell comes really close again Yeah, to persuading Anne to do something that is probably not in her best interest, or at least what Mrs. What Lady Russell thinks is yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. Around this time in the book, Anne reconnects with an old school friend, mm-hmm. Mrs. Smith who Anne seemed to be really close with at the time. Yeah. And she married a another man. Mm-hmm. She married a man on another. I don't <laughs> Mr. Know, Smith. Mr. Smith. <laughs> but when Anne finds her, she kind of finds out that she has had a very, very rough time. Yeah. Her husband got into debts and then died and then left her with the debts. And then she got like a fever and is now crippled. Yes. And has, like, no money and is in Bath to try to restore her health a bit. And, like, I really don't like this character, Ian, because she's basically, like, the cheerful, like, 
sad disabled stereotype yeah. in like the 1800s like it's very much like oh she's has this like poor life and she's like crippled but like she's like a pollyanna right like she's always looking on the bright side yeah. and like she thanks god for like her situation you know i'm like this is really boring <laughs> yeah like on one hand i find it interesting reading about someone in this like low level of society which i felt like i haven't experienced in a jane austen story yet like exploring someone who's like really what happens to someone like this yeah and i mean i think it shows a good side of of Anne that she wants to be there for this person even though her father and sister are like why would you hang out with her yeah you're going where to Mm -hmm. see who and but i completely agree her character is like very one-dimensional and just wanting to see the bright side of things and yeah i I mean like that's being a little bit mischaracterizing but like it it basically is her personality type yeah and you're kind of wondering like why are we being introduced to someone that seems so important to Anne so late in the story yeah you know yeah and of course she conveniently is connected to other people i think she could have had jane austen could have had Anne maybe keeping in contact with this woman yeah throughout the story maybe she knew about her situation and then realized they'd be able to see each other at bath you know yeah that would have been interesting and like maybe someone that Anne is able to talk to at least like via letter yeah and maybe that's a way that Anne could have been opening up a little bit to, to someone. somebody yeah and maybe it's only someone in mrs smith's position yeah that would have made Anne comfortable with like opening up about her problems mm-hmm yeah, that's a that that would have kind of connected a lot of things and improved the story a bit, I think. Yeah, so we're also introduced to some shocking news here. <laughs> Via a very, very funny letter <laughs> from Mary. I know. Mary sends and this just really extensive letter that's yeah. just full of so many funny moments. One of them where Mary is like, I'm like the overlooked child of the family, <laughs> yes. like saying this to Anne. <laughs> and then at one point, because this letter's broken up by different days, yeah. she complains about the Crofts who are renting out uh, the house. Yeah. How they're never around and how they're shitty neighbors. And then in the next letter is like, boy, I really miss the Crofts. Like, we don't have <laughs> enough good neighbors around. <laughs> She's so funny in this part. She is, but she reveals to Anne who Anne has been waiting to find out when Louisa and Captain Wentworth are going to get married, right? Yeah. It seems like such a sure thing, and she knows that they'll probably just wait for Louisa to recover from this head injury, and then they'll be married, and she's agonizing over it. And then Mary reveals, yes, Louisa is engaged, but she's married, or she's going to marry Captain Benwick, the poetry bro. Poetry man. (laughs) And this is like... What? what that sad sack of a man and the yeah. vibrant jubilant uh carefree louisa yes is it weird that louisa is engaged to this man shortly after suffering a traumatic, <laughs> traumatic head injury brain injury yes yeah yeah it's a little weird i think it's um certainly questionable <laughs> i do think the book kind of eventually goes on to explain not all of it here but later parts in the book that like louisa has been changed obviously by what happened to her yeah that this was like a very significant event and even though she has recovered like she's not the same anymore and whether that is like a personality adjustment from a brain injury (laughs) yeah or if it's just that like she had a brush with death and that can change somebody Mm -hmm. she's not as carefree and 
you know, joyful as she once was. And so maybe sad poetry is more her thing now. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. So this is like shocking, huge news. And around this time, Wentworth shows up single. Ready to mingle in bath. Free of Louisa. (laughs) And who who knows what's going to happen while he's around. Yeah. And Anne is in this weird position now in this in the book at this time, because Mr. Elliot is still around. He's still hanging out with her. It seems like he's interested in her. But Captain Wentworth is also around. And so Anne is trying to be like, maybe we could strike things back up again. Like he's. Not with Louise anymore. Like, there's no danger of that. I need to, like, show him that I'm maybe still interested. And so I do think this is a part of a story where Anne is becoming a little more bold. And we're seeing that. Like, she's risking conversation with Captain Wentworth in in situations where it might not be 100% appropriate. Mm -hmm. We have this concert scene where she's being, like, kind of her attention's being diverted by Mr. Elliot. And she's frustrated because she's trying to talk to Captain Wentworth and let him know how... She's feeling, and you can tell that Captain Wentworth is feeling jealous about Mr. Elliot. There's so much interesting stuff here. And and I keep thinking, like, a movie that could have really focused on the subtleties and dynamics of these characters. Like, this longing, like an an, an intense longing that is kind of unspoken but just portrayed by the actors could Mm -hmm. have been so effective if done correctly. Yeah. I mean, you think of other movies that, like, like, I don't know why this is coming to mind, but like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm-hmm. that movie had like an intense longing that like in a lot of scenes wasn't really spoken, but just portrayed by the actors. Yeah. And I felt like that kind of presence could have been really good in a movie. Yeah, especially during this part, because there's so much in the air. right? Yes. I mean, there's so much going on with a lot of different characters who aren't able to fully speak exactly what's happening with them yeah they're once again just going through like the motions of polite civil conversation but Mm -hmm. like so much is happening yeah around that things change though (laughs) when mrs smith proves to the reader why she is in why she's been introduced (laughs) which is that she happens to know mr elliot yep she knew him before he was married yes her husband was close acquaintances with him very good friends Mm mm-hmm And uh, the news is that Mr. Elliot is a huge piece of shit. Yeah, he's very, the way Mrs. Smith describes him is uh, cold hearted. Like, almost like a sociopath. sociopath. Yeah, like literally cares for no one but himself, is cruel, is self-seeking, is just doesn't care about anyone but himself. And she talks about him marrying this woman just for her money and then being uh, an awful person to her and then probably murdering her. Uh, (laughs) And then leading her husband into debt. And then when her husband died, uh, he was named like the executor of her husband's will and he refuses to fulfill that role. And so Mrs. Smith can't like wrap up her husband's affairs. And like, there's a way for her to be able to have some more money so she can live in a better circumstance and like, hopefully improve her health and get like the doctors and care that she needs. But because of Mr. Elliot being a piece of shit and not helping her, she's in kind of a worse situation than she would be normally. Yeah. Additionally, she shows a letter written from Mr. Elliot to her husband where he just bad mouths 
Anne's father. Yeah. Just saying he's like a silly, like dumb man that mm-hmm. he doesn't really. He, he has no interest in like titles or anything Like he mentions. Like, oh, if I could sell the title of. Yeah. Uh, what is it? What is it? A baronet? Yeah. If a he, baron. A baron. If I could sell the title of baron for 50 pounds, I would. Yeah, and it's interesting because Mrs. Smith talks about how at first he just wanted money, which is why he married his first wife. And then maybe after she died and once he had all the money he could ever want, he was like, no, I am interested in titles now. Yes. And that the reason he's come back into their life is because he's afraid that Mrs. Clay will actually marry Anne's father, that they'll have a child, and that that child will inherit the Elliot estate and he won't get it. So essentially, Mr. Elliot is there to cock block <laughs> uh, Sir Walter yes. and make sure he doesn't uh, marry Mrs. Clay. Yeah. Which it's like, there doesn't seem to be any real reason to be afraid of that. Yeah. Like, I get why Anne was concerned, but then also all evidence shows that, like, Sir Walter, like, doesn't. I mean, he think did of- say her freckles had improved, Ian. Warning sign. He did say her freckles had improved. <laughs> That's very true. And then Mrs. Smith also reveals that Mr. Elliot seemed to kind of like want to marry Anne as like a secondary goal because that would also secure his position in the family more strongly. So he's doing it for his own reasons. Yeah. Here's the thing is. That's a lot to absorb. Yeah. Like all of these different things, all these elements of Mr. Elliot's past, Mm -hmm. all the different plans and things he has going on in the present. Uh, And it's weird that Mrs. Smith like knows all of this. I agree. And it just kind of feels like a weird info (laughs) dump. And like nothing Mr. Elliot does is like super terrible. No. I mean, like, it's all bad, mm-hmm. but there's no one damning thing that ha- it's not like in Pride and Prejudice where uh, uh, Wickham kidnaps a child. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing like remotely like, oh, he's crossed a line here. It's just like, here's a general list. Yeah. Of things that make him shitty. Yeah. And. On top of that, Anne already, like, wasn't into him. I know. Like, she had already kind of written him off as wanting to marry him, and this is just like, okay, I was right about this. Yeah. So I, I just don't know how I feel about this turn. Yeah. Like, what would, what would the difference be in her just deciding not to marry him for her own reasons? Yeah. You know? Uh, exactly. Yeah, and, and also, like, Mrs. Smith at the beginning of their conversation was like, oh, I hear that you and Mr. Elliot are going to get married. Like, that's the gossip around town. Uh, Let me congratulate you. Like, I'm so excited and happy for you. And then Anne is kind of like, no, I'm not going to marry him. You know, basically admits there's somebody else. And then Mrs. Smith is like, okay, I can finally tell you the truth about him. Yeah, get the box above my bed. It's full of hot gossip. And then Anne is like, you were just trying to get me to marry him earlier and was like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Well, like, what the hell? Yeah. And Mrs. Smith is like, well, I thought it was like already basically going to happen. Yeah. So. so you wouldn't have listened to me if I said all this. And I'm like, I think she would have still wanted to know. Just a weird thing for her character to yeah. be like, oh, I mean, I knew all this like terrible stuff about him, but I wasn't going to tell you until I knew that you weren't going to marry him. <laughs> it's like, OK, Cool. Anyway, we're writing off Mr. Elliot here, and then Anne is trying to get 
Captain Wentworth to be like, hey, I'm not interested in Mr. Elliot. Like, I'm interested in you. And we end up in this scene where she's talking with uh, Captain Harville, who ends up coming to Bath. And they're talking about how Louisa is engaged to Benwick and sort of, you know, Harville is understandably feeling sad that Benwick has kind of like abandoned his sister's memory. Yeah. And so they have a discussion on like men and women and who loves longer and who uh, is more constant and true. Mm -hmm. And Anne kind of makes a point for women and saying like, well, men have more distractions and like that allow them to move on from their past loves faster whereas women have nothing to do so they just sit and ponder the sadness of their situation (laughs) and you know harville makes the counterpoint well benwick has literally just been sitting around reading sad poetry for like a year so don't tell me he's had distractions And she's like true true yeah no that's fair and they kind of have this like back and forth kind Mm -hmm. of about the sexes and like they kind of just at the end agree to disagree but this is an opportunity for and to kind of passionately declare her own feelings um, indirectly, of course. But it turns out that Captain Wentworth is listening to this conversation and he ends up slipping a letter to Anne mm-hmm. and she reads the letter and he's basically like, if what you're saying is true, like, just I want just want you to know that I still love you. Yeah. And this is like thrilling for Anne. Mm-hmm. She's very She's very pumped about this news, the situation. Yeah. It's everything she's wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. And they get a moment later on where they get to walk together. Yes. And take a stroll and just discuss everything. Finally, Mm -hmm. get to be open with each other. And Wentworth kind of talks about like, you know, it wasn't just your fault for turning me down before because I knew that I still loved you and would have gone after you and it was only pride that stopped me yeah i liked this even even though i had the money at a point and mm-hmm. i knew i could have come back and tried to win you again i didn't because like my feelings were hurt yeah and so don't put all the blame on our situation on yourself mm-hmm. yeah i liked this a lot them talking about things and also just kind of being like maybe we're happier now given what we've gone through or maybe we would have been happier if we had just got married back then. There's really no way to know. Yeah, Anne actually like reflects on the fact that she wouldn't change anything. Yeah. And how if she had gone against Lady Russell's wishes and married uh, Wentworth, it would have been like really complicated and she would have felt guilty about it. And she would have had to deal with that guilt and regret. And that yeah. like it would have probably affected her life and her relationship, not only with Wentworth, but with like lady russell and others yeah so kind of and and two also she says how like just because wentworth did end up rich doesn't mean that ladies lady russell's advice was wrong yeah which i think is like a very wise thing to consider like just because something turned out in a a way yeah doesn't mean that like you being cautious is bad was a bad decision yeah we also get kind of like a little bit of an epilogue here of the two of them like getting married and even the family lady russell the dad and elizabeth don't object too much to it they're kind of like uh whatever um and then we get the info that mr elliot convinces mrs clay to go to London with him and abandon Sir Walter, Anne's father. Yeah. It's implied that she becomes his mistress. Very weirdly. <laughs> in, I, I read it and I, I thought they got married. I couldn't tell. What... Yeah, it has to be indirect in these books. Yeah. 
I just like for me currently, I was just like, I don't quite know what I just read. Yeah. So a very, very interesting situation there. Yeah. And it kind of ends on like a positive note about Anne and Wentworth's relationship, but also a little bit realistic about like, especially about the fact that like Wentworth is a Navy man. And he is might have to, to go to war and he might die. Yeah. And, you know, we all only have so much time, like kind of these like just pondering ideas at the mm-hmm. end of the book. Yeah. So that's the end of the book portion. Let's find out how the movie fucks it all up. <laughs> uh, so when Anne arrives in Bath, she mm-hmm. meets Mr. Elliot similar to the book, except in this version, Mr. Elliot is very direct yeah. about his goals and his plans. He's like, hey, I care about my inheritance now or like the name and like yeah. the manor and I'm worried about Mrs. Clay. So I'm here to like interfere yes. in whatever way that I can. Yeah. He straight up tells you that, which in the book is like this like shocking revelation to his character. Yeah. But in the movie, it's like, oh, he's kind of like saucy. Like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he's still caring about Anne and is yeah. like, oh, I heard about what happened in uh, Lime with like, Louisa like that must have been like really difficult and I it is sad because I do think Henry Golding is pretty good as Mr. Elliot I like him in this I do too yeah and I feel bad that like we get so little of him I know but he's good at being like kind of scoundrel a scoundrel but you still kind of like him and you kind of get why Anne would maybe like still be interested in him we have to talk about the lady uh Dalrymple scene Ian this just like derails all the fun stuff that's going on with Mr. Elliot at this time. Uh, these are some fancy cousins that the Elliots are determined to reacquaint themselves with. And uh, we hear about this in the book, too, but we don't really get a lot of it. But we have this awful scene in the movie. They go to visit Lady Dalrymple, and it is like a very uncomfortable, like just awkward, silent tea, tea time, tea time <laughs> for them. And... Anne is like, now seems like a good time to tell a very long, uncomfortable story of a dream I have where an octopus is sucking my face and I pull it off, but my arms are tentacles and I am sucking my own face. And she just blathers on and on. (laughs) And just once again, this is one of those things where I'm like, do you know you're making a movie set in the 1800s? Yeah. And how just... What bizarre behavior this is. Well, this is bizarre for now. No, it is, truly. (laughs) And then, like, Mr. Elliot kind of turns it into, like, a tentacle porn joke. Yeah. And I was like, is this what's happening, or am I reading too much into this? I don't, like, he he does try to make it, like, sexy. Yeah. No, what? Stop, please. I don't like it. I, I am not about it. And also, like, why... Do either of these men, they have both now witnessed her make the biggest ass of herself yeah. in public to people of importance. Why are either of them not like, oh, God, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> Thank God I did not end up with her. I know. Well, and now is the time where Anne hears that Captain Wentworth is engaged. Except the way that she hears about it is, oh, did you hear the news about Louisa? Yeah. She's engaged to the sea captain. Yeah. (laughs) And here's the thing. She first hears this news from Lady Russell. Yeah. 
Does Lady Russell also think it's Wentworth? Or yes, is she she must. She has to, right? Yeah, because she's like, I thought you knew. I'm so sorry. Like, she knows how it's affecting him. Okay. So, like, she thinks it's Wentworth. And if anyone who's read the book knows that it's not Wentworth, it's Benwick, right? Yeah. Um. So, like, I don't understand what this misdirect is supposed to be, who it's supposed to be for. Well, it's like, I it, I think it's just supposed to be, like, a classic rom-com. Yeah. Whoops. Misunderstanding. Like, misunderstanding. Like, yeah. I thought you were engaged and you're not. Like, yeah, it doesn't really, like, change anything. Like, she doesn't, like, renew her feelings towards Mr. Elliot because of it. It does seem like in the scenes, because then we see, you know, Captain Wentworth in Bath and Anne running into him, that she maybe is, like, trying to play up her relationship with Mr. Elliot a bit more in front of him at first. Yeah. That scene in the store, she's like, oh, my friend, Mr. Elliot, like, whatever. So, like, that kind of seems like it's part of it. But then she does seem to be back to, like, the book Anne, which is, like, trying to get back with Captain Wentworth and talk to him and spend time with him and Mr. Elliot kind of getting in the way of that. Yeah, because, like, the thing is, Mr. Elliot is very upfront about who he is. Yeah. And it's like, is Anne into that or not? I know, it's not clear. She seems like she's kind of, she kind of is at first. Yeah. And I guess, like, Wentworth is just, like, a better option. So when she finds out about him she's just like oh well it's definitely him yeah it's just strange because like there is well there is a reveal about mr elliot but like not the the same one where she's confirmed about her feelings towards him yeah which in the book were negative but in the movie are like undecided Mm -hmm. it's just all a little confusing as to like how we're supposed to feel i agree and like i think mr elliot seems like a really great option in the movie yeah And I'm not, I don't think they make it clear as to why she's not choosing him other than the fact that he's just not Wentworth. Like, Mr. Elliot seems to be into her chaotic energy. I know. And like, that's who Anne should be pursuing. Yeah, this Anne. This Anne, yeah, who she should be pursuing if she's going to be telling awkward tentacle (laughs) dream stories (laughs) at inappropriate tea times. Yeah, and here we go again with the scene where she's talking to Captain Harville about men and women and, and about uh, the constancy of affection, blah, blah, blah. But this is where the reveal happens, where Harville, Harville mentions that, oh, no, Louisa is marrying uh, Benick. I swear to God, though, that like it is mentioned like three times prior to this, including Lady Russell, that like, Oh, did you hear about Louisa marrying the sea captain? <laughs> and I'm like, could someone please just say it's any name? It's Benwick or, yeah. or not Wentworth. Like they keep phrasing it the same way, like three different times to just keep reinforcing it. But I'm like, who would talk about it like this? Yeah. This many times. And that's why I was confused whether Lady Russell knew or not. But I, I, I agree that I don't think she did. Yeah. Um. But so Anne, yes, now knows the truth. Mm hmm. And similar to the book scene, Wentworth is sitting nearby writing a note Mm -hmm. and leaves one for her. Yes. Where anyone could have found it. (laughs) She grabs it and reads it to the camera crying uh, where he talks about loving her. (laughs) One of the lines I thought was really funny was of him being like, you seem to have like given up because he thinks that she's into Mr. Elliot, but I still love you. And I wanted to just be like, I win. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) I knew men loved longer than women. Yeah. You idiot. (laughs) But this 
you know, she like runs out the door and like runs to him and they kiss and it's this like very romantic scene, except for um one little detail. I so I hadn't quite finished the book yet. Not that the book would have like prepared sh- you shined a light on this at all. As she's running out of the inn or wherever she was, yeah, she passes on the street. Yes, in, in broad, the middle of the street, in broad daylight. Mr. Elliot, full on making out with Mrs. Clay. Yeah, like in public. Yeah, and he he breaks away. She sees him. He's like. I can't explain. And then she's just kind of like, whatever, and keeps running. And then he kind of like shrugs and then turns and starts making out with Mrs. Clay again. (laughs) I just, I. No explanation. No. Like, I don't know if we're supposed to. Think that they're in love? I don't know. Well, and here's the thing. In the book, when this situation is like revealed that, that like, oh, he basically carried Mrs. Clay off as his mistress. Like we know he's a cold and calculating and like self-interested person. Right. And we just had this reveal and like him kind of taking Mrs. Clay off the playing field from, you know, Sir Walter and also maybe getting some side action at the same time. Like seems like a very like Mr. Elliot thing to do. But in this version, even though he does say that he's there to stop Mrs. Clay, it seems like he's super into her in the makeout scene. Yeah. And like, then they get married later. I didn't even think about when I, we watched it of the angle that he's like doing it to like just take her away from no, like Sir Walter. It didn't feel like, like that. It at just all. seemed like but like he had literally just proposed to Anne. Like he made a marriage offer to her. I know. And then he's like, I'm gonna make out with Mrs. Clay just on the street. Yeah. What the fuck was this about? I have no idea. Was they just like, didn't know how to end his character. Yeah, did they like finish the movie and then a month <laughs> later they're like, oh, we didn't like resolve anything with like Mr. Elliot. Yeah. Should we like go back and just insert something? There's like one scene where they look at each other and that's at the concert and that's it. And it's just a, they just look at each other. That's oh, it. oh, yeah. Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's like no yeah. establishment of them having any kind of like interpersonal relationship. Yeah. I just, I cannot, like, okay, like, every awkward dinner and tea time scene in this movie is horrible, and I want it to die, (laughs) but, like, I can at least kind of, I guess, understand that, like, it's going for humor, at least, or, like, to establish Anne being bad and awkward, Mm -hmm. but this is something I don't even know how anyone was, like... Oh, I know what you're going for. Or yeah. like, this is a good way to end this part of the movie. Yeah, it makes no sense. And then we get like the marriage of Mr. Elliot and Mrs. Clay, which also seems like a happy thing. Yeah, they seem real into it. Yeah. And then uh, we go back to Anne and Captain Wentworth, who have skipped the wedding in order to uh, lie about in a field. <laughs> Their favorite pastime. Yeah. And this is this is the end of the movie. She gives one final moment of... What what does she say, like, about turning a ship around? Oh, yeah. And then she's like, I know how hard it is to turn a ship around. And then she, like, w- like literally winks at the camera. <laughs> and I, I wrote, like, I think three times in my notes. I'm like, stop looking at the camera. <laughs> you do it so much. Stop. Uh, yeah, so, Ian, which one's better? Uh, you know, reading this book, I was like, this isn't my favorite Austin book. Like, I, yeah. find, I find its differences to her other books to be interesting, like... This character who's kind of like real introverted and quiet and being surrounded by like real shitty characters initially. Yeah. But kind of like finding family and friends among like other people 
kind of this like quiet longing and her slowly like coming out of her shell. Like I find aspects of this book interesting, but ultimately, and maybe it's just like kind of the plot and pacing elements and the format, like just felt really clunky and made it really hard for me to get into. And even when I did get into it at moments, like when things go to shit, when, uh, Louisa falls. Yeah. Like then it just kind of quiets down and like moves on. It's like, forget that. Yeah. Like I, I really just don't feel like a lot happens in this book. Yeah. And I don't think it's made up for enough by like the quiet contemplation of Anne. That Mm -hmm. is kind of like the point of it. However, this movie is hot garbage. Yeah, here's the thing. It's not even that I think, like, the movie is a bad adaptation. It's just a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> in every way. Like, I, I was reading about, like, in connection with this movie, about, like, Jane Austen fans being hard to please. Yeah. And I'm like... No. Not, like, in this context. This no. is just bad. <laughs> this is bad in every way. Yeah, absolutely. It's bad to Jane Austen fans. It's bad to people who have no who idea. Who just watch movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be good for anyone. No, it sucks. Um, We tried to give it a chance, and it was just really bad. So it's a book from both of us. Absolutely, 1,000%. <laughs> Let's do lightning round. Let's get into lightning. All right, so first for lightning round, I have to mention the Musgroves had a son who served in the Navy under Captain Wentworth, which they realize at some point in the story. And they're like, oh my gosh, uh, poor Richard. Uh, but we just, I just have to read this portion of the book because it's so funny. So um, the real circumstances of this pathetic piece of family history were that the Musgroves had the ill fortune of a very troublesome, hopeless son and the good fortune to lose him before he reached his 20th year that he had been sent to sea because he was stupid and unmanageable on shore, that he had been very little cared for at any time by his family, though quite as much as he deserved, seldom heard of and scarcely at all regretted when the intelligence of his death abroad had worked its way to up across two years before. He had, in fact, though his sisters were now doing all they could for him by calling him Poor Richard, been nothing better than a thick-headed, unfeeling, unprofitable, Dick Musgrove, who had never done anything to entitle himself to more than the abbreviation of his name, living or dead. <laughs> the harshest character description I've ever heard or read in anything. I know. I love that idea of having like the misfortune of this bad son, but the fortune to lose him. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank God he's dead. Yeah. Like, like. Like I was saying, this book is, like, really harsh on a lot of characters. Yeah, kind of cynical, like you were saying. Yeah, in, like, a very shocking way. (laughs) I had to do a roundup on all of the modern-day slang or references made in this movie that, like, were all just awful and didn't land. In no apparent order, uh, when Anne refers to Mr. Elliot as a 10, and she says, never trust a 10, when she mentions the playlist yes that wentworth left her which oh, I, i'm not sure i get is it sheet music yes okay <laughs> but like why would you call it a playlist yeah i know like it doesn't even like at first i'm like are they plays like literal plays no it's just meant to be like it's, a funny thing no i get time. it but i'm saying like in context of like the like you can't even justify that within no the 1800s context um <laughs> We have Mary explaining how she is an empath. Yes. And that being around her injured children is actually like worse for her, <laughs> which was like funny. But I mean, like, that's such a modern thing to be like 
called an empath. Yeah. That it made me roll my eyes. Also, I had to look this up because I, I like knew it had to be wrong. But at one point, Anne is uh, saying things in Italian to her sister oh, yeah. to prove that like she's not listening. And at one point, Anne orders a cappuccino. Oh, yeah. Which she is early by about 100 years. Oh, my God. On the invention of a cappuccino. Because <laughs> I was just like, they can't have had cappuccino in any form <laughs> back then, right? Yeah. They did not. Oh, my gosh. It was insufferable. Really bad. I, like, they think, it felt like they thought it was funny, but it just, like, felt so clunky and awkward. Yeah, especially, like, I don't know why the whole, he's a 10. Yeah. Jesus, oh, Jesus I'm Christ. I'm cringing. I am. <laughs> so, last for lightning round, I just re- want to read another portion of Jane Austen here. I love uh, getting to quote her whenever I can here. And this is Admiral Croft talking to Anne about them living in Anne's family home now. And he's talking about how much they like the property and how little they've changed it because he's trying to reassure her that they haven't, like, changed her family home. So, he says... Indeed, I must do ourselves the justice to say that the few alterations we have made have been all very much for the better. My wife should have the, have the credit of them, however. I have done very little besides sending away some of the large looking glasses from my dressing room, which was your father's. A very good man, and very much the gentleman, I am sure. But I should think, Miss Elliot, looking with serious reflection, I should think he must be rather a dressy man for his time of life. Such a number of looking glasses. Oh, Lord. There was no getting away from oneself. So I got Sophie to lend me a hand, and we soon shifted their quarters, and now I am quite snug with my little shaving glass in one corner, and another great thing that I never go near. (laughs) I love him just saying, oh, Lord. (laughs) I should never get away from oneself. (laughs) I also love at one point in the book, Anne talks about how she likes people that kind of speak a little like carelessly yeah just because it shows that they're like being honest like yes. they'll say things that, that maybe they shouldn't have said but like she appreciates that yeah kind of the opposite of mr elliot <laughs> yeah. which is why she loves mr croft so much i love him he's so hilarious he's great. <laughs> uh that's it for lightning round that's it for this episode thank you for listening if you happened <laughs> to like this movie i'm sorry that we just <laughs> shat on it for like an hour and a half but It had to be done. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to become a patron, you can do that. Um, All our patrons have benefits like getting their requested episodes done very quickly. And um, they also get... What do they get, Ian? They get bonus bo- episodes. Bonus episodes. <laughs> monthly bonus episodes. Uh, we have almost 50 at this point. There's wow. a lot of those. Uh, you get access to our Discord and uh, monthly schedules. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you get a lot of benefits from being on Patre- Patreon with yeah. us. Join it. What are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just go to CoverYourCredits.com for links to all of those social medias. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and we will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.